plants thrive and grow in a peaceful, nourished environment, right? Well, it's the same with human beings. But what if that environment is not so peaceful? What if it's toxic? Welcome to Coffee Break, breaking the cycle of bullying in healthcare, one cup at a time. In this podcast, you'll get practical, evidence-based strategies to help you cultivate and sustain a healthy and respectful work culture by tackling an age-old problem in healthcare, bullying and incivility. I am your host, Dr. Renee Thompson. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee Break podcast. As bullying and incivility exist, because they can. And especially right now, we are in the middle of National Bullying Prevention Month. So it is our opportunity right now as leaders to learn the skills and strategies we need to stop it. And that's really what this podcast is all about, giving you the practical skills, the knowledge, the tools, the resources that you really need to stop the cycle of bullying in your organization. And today is an extra great day because we get to spend some time with Stacy Schaub, someone who I actually have only recently spent time with, gotten to know over the last not quite a year. Stacy is one of the ambassadors in our certification culture change program. And she has just impressed me so much with her ability and commitment to truly establishing a healthy work culture. So Stacy, welcome to the show. Oh, Renee, I am just so excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. When I was thinking about who has really influenced me and who have I learned from, you're one of those people that a lot of the work that I do is really teaching and influencing and sharing and mentoring and coaching and all of those things. But equally, I learn from others. And again, that's really one of the benefits of me having this podcast too, because not only do I get to learn from people, but I know the listeners get to learn as well. So thank you again for being here. I'd like to officially introduce Stacy to let you know a little bit more about her background. In 2016, Stacy joined Innova Health System as Director of Quality for the Innova Mount Vernon campus. Stacy oversaw regulatory compliance, OPPE and FPPE, patient safety, quality and performance improvement. And in 2019, Stacy became a senior director of nursing at Inova Mount Vernon Hospital. Stacy's varied career includes nursing faculty administrator, social work consultant, television reporter, radio talk show host, and college instructor. Stacy is a certified professional in healthcare quality and a certified joint commission professional. Stacy earned her nurse executive board certification as well as her gerontological nurse board certification. She is a licensed nursing home administrator and a Six Sigma black belt in healthcare. Stacy was also invited to speak at Capitol Hill regarding rural healthcare in the United States. Just What an amazing journey that you have had. But before we talk, I have you have to tell me a little bit about being this television reporter and radio talk show host. Can would you mind sharing with us all about that? (laughs) Not at all. I love to chit chat. Can you tell? 
my undergraduate degree is in television, radio, film. And my goal was to be a television reporter with a focus in medicine. So now you know how everybody has all these combined degrees. Back then, Purdue, which is where my undergrad is from, you had to take one path or the other. So it was television, radio, film, or nursing. So I went down the path of television, radio, film. And I just, I had the best opportunities ever. Honest to goodness, I worked at NBC for a while. Then I had a national syndicated talk show that was on Whoa, Whoa Radio. Huh? And Whoa, Whoa, yeah. Somebody actually heard me. I think they were in Puerto Rico. They're like, I heard your podcast. I'm like, really? Did you? No. Cool. And what happened to me is I wasn't feeling like I was making a difference. So back then, there wasn't just medical reporting. It was reporting. And if you happen to catch something medical, wonderful. I was doing a lot of general reporting and I I didn't feel like I was making a difference. I went back to what I knew, which was nursing homes. That's where I had started 15 years old as a uh, certified nursing assistant way back when. And that's where my path led me at that point in time. And I went back. I wanted to be a director of admissions because when I was on the floor, all those people did, they just went out to lunch every day and it was just great fun. And then I got the job and I found out, yeah, you really don't get to eat because you're busy talking and making the sale, right? And yes. I was doing that and director of social work. I had so much fun. I, I truly did. And then I went down the pathway to get my administrator's license which I did do. And I'm really proud. It was hard. It was really hard. And I had so, so much fun. So I think my career is a little bit backwards because I was over the director of nursing and say 200 nurses. And now I'm a senior director of nursing just in a different area. But the fun thing was for that, it it made me very well-rounded because you have to know everything. You've got to be able to take care of the patient experience side but also deal with surveys. And I do love myself a survey. Like, do you? Oh, I'm telling you, I just, I love to memorize regulations and then... Oh, uh, that's all you, Stacey. Oh, no, 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 no. That's all you. No, and then put it all together. But, you know, when we talk about that, the one thing that I noticed was often when people want nurses to make sure you're following this 18 inches from the ceiling, but nobody ever says why. The reason is, right, if something is blocking that 18 inches and there's a fire, the sprinkler is not going to reach everything. Wow. I really like putting the why behind it. There is a lot of work done by somebody, his name is Robert Cialdini, and he wrote the book Influence, which I've read two or three times now, especially when I started this company I knew my strategies worked and I had a strong message, but if nobody heard it, if I couldn't get that message out to people, what good was it? So I read a lot on how to get your message out there. And I read a lot of his his research that he's done. And to your point, this is something I think leaders could do that would make things easier for them and their team, especially when this, they'll say it's hard to hold people accountable. People aren't holding themselves accountable for compliance things and competencies and all those things. Exactly what you said. If, and he did this research. If you tell someone what to do and explain why, 
they are like 10 times more likely to actually comply. And even if you just use the word because, hey, I'd like you to do this because, even just the word because increases their chance. But it's so incredibly important to explain the reason behind why we're asking our teams to do the things we're asking them to do. So yeah, spot on. It leads me to my three E's. Are you ready? Three E's, yeah. My three E's to live by. The first one is evaluate. Okay, so explain that. Evaluate what the situation is before Mm -hmm. making any type of movement. So when you go into a new environment, just do an evaluation. Then my next one is educate. So you evaluate the situation first. And you know what? It's so funny. I just had a conversation today with a chief nursing officer. There's a challenging situation. Let me just say that. And I have a good relationship with her that I could actually say this to her. I said, we hopped on a call and I said, okay, I'm trying really hard not to be reactive here. However, this is how I see this unfolding. Tell me what, and you know what, Stacy? I think if taking that step back and evaluating, assessing the situation before you act, before you intervene is so incredibly important because there are probably a lot of people out there like me who tend to be reactive. And it's something that I've had to work on over the years. So you evaluate the situation and then talk a little bit more about what it means to then educate. Yep. Let me go back to evaluate a little bit more because just as you love to talk about animals when you speak, so do I. And I know I I just love animals. So the one thing I like to do is evaluating the culture. And I don't know if everyone has heard about the uh, seagull methodology. Have you heard about the seagull methodology? But I bet as as I tell you, you're going to go, wait a minute. This has happened. So the seagulls methodology is every day is going along well at the hospital. Life is good, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, something terrible happens. And zoom, zoom, zoom. It's all these bosses that come in and they don't evaluate the situation. All they do is say do and then they leave. And sadly, I think we've all been in that situation before. Yes, we've experienced it on the receiving end. I know myself, when I was a staff nurse, I had experienced it in my leadership team swooping in. And again, I think this is where I think it's so important that a leader knows themselves. Even taking a look where there's a challenging situation, I know my tendencies is to be a seagull and just swoo. Mm-hmm. But that's probably not the wisest choice. And to take a step back, I always say do that compensatory pause, like with PVC, I'm an old cardiac nurse, so compensatory pause and evaluate the situation first. I think that's so wise. And then I think about educate. And for educate, I like to talk about fleas. Oh, wait, you're in Florida, right? So you probably do have those little sand fleas. We we have those, they call them noceums. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but these are tiny, teeny, weeny little flies that will bite you. And what happens is you don't notice it until the next day. I'll never forget, I was standing outside. It was during dusk and that's when they're out there. And I kept feeling like I may be getting bit up, but didn't see anything. But the next day when I woke up, my legs were covered in welts because that's what happens. They are brutal. So we have no seams in 
And and it's they're called that for a reason. No seums. You can't see them. They're so tiny. But let me tell you, they pack a wallop the next day, right? Oh yes, but yep. yes. So fleas. Fleas. What's amazing, if you put fleas into a glass jar, they can hop out. So fleas are known for hopping, jump, 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 right? However, if you put a lid on top of the glass jar, and it doesn't have to be a glass lid, it can be one of those mason jar type lids, they'll hit their heads enough. And then what do you have? You could actually have a lot of fleas with headaches, which is true. But then you also have fleas that will no longer jump out when you take the top off. Oh, because they've learned. They have learned not to go above. And so that's one thing when you're educating and you want people to start thinking outside of the box. If they've come up with ideas before and they were pushed down, it's going to take them a little while to become comfortable and be willing to talk, right? Yeah, this is so true. I hear this a lot when it comes to reporting disruptive behaviors to your boss. So we hear this all the time. We've told our boss all about this person and their behavior, but nothing has ever been done about it. Now they stop telling. They stop letting the their leader know that these situations are happening because they've become complacent. Nothing's ever going to change, just like the fleas. But I never really thought of it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's so true because... If I come to you 10 times and you either dismiss me 10 times or I don't see any change happening because of it, I'm going to stop coming to you. Exactly. I'm going to stop beating my head up against the, the top of the, the jar. It happens. Okay. It does. And finally, empowerment. Empowerment. And is this, Stacy? would you say everyone or are you talking primarily leaders or the team or both? Well, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because... So many people think if you walk around and you have a name tag or a title, you're large and in charge. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make, but we need to look for the informal leaders. So I'll tell you a story. The uh, fabulous farewells we do here, and I sent you a couple of them. I know they are just wonderful. Since then, we've actually added a red carpet. Don't ask. We're over the top. Oh my gosh. It all started. So I've been talking about we're going to do fabulous farewells and what's it going to look like? I didn't know. I just wanted to do awesome arrivals, fabulous farewells. A Clintech started going out with her own money and having a card made with the patient's name on it and how proud she was of them. And then everybody would sign the card. That's empowerment. It is. You're right. And now we do that all over the acute inpatient rehab here at Anova. And it's that's where the magic happens. It, it doesn't happen in some executive suite. It happens when you're out with the patients. What you just said was so incredibly powerful because it's a part of our framework, our healthy workforce framework. We strengthen the organization, we equip the leaders, we empower the employees. Because when you can include those employees in anything that you're doing, culture change or trying to improve your collabs rate or quality, you include them when I think of shared governance and I think of And they're the common ones, but if you empower them the way you have empowered them to get involved in doing something unique, something that's not the standard that everybody does, like your fabulous farewells and what's the arrivals called? Oh, awesome arrivals. Awesome arrivals. So Stacey, so this is one of the things that I was so impressed with Stacey 
she would share with me um, these videos of when they would have patients who were, you know, leaving the department and they would dance and everybody would have fun and there was food and she would send them to me. I'm like, oh my God, this just made my day, especially if I was having a rough day, just to see so much joy from the people in that department. Can you talk a little bit about how you really infuse fun? And I love that it's attached to this empowerment. I like that you brought that up because life's all about having fun. We only live one life, right? And if you think about it, you spend more time at work than what you probably do at home. So why not have fun? The patient will get to choose a song that they like for their graduation. So we have had everything. We've had New York. We've had Celebration. We've recently had somebody who was into heavy metal. Not my seat, but it's okay. I can dance. Being so close to D.C., we're very diverse. So now I can do the little Ethiopian dance. They do all their shoulder stuff. It is just, it is the most fun. And when you talk about empowerment, so after that, so one of the uh, nurses, she bought pom-poms for her unit. So that's okay. I like having the pom-poms. That's good. So then they started going into the rooms and singing happy birthday to the patients if it was their birthday. I'm like, oh, anybody can do that. Any hospital can do that. Or even... For me, who's toned up, I still sing, not well, but I do sing. When I was off last week, I got a little video and we had a patient here that played the violin. Wow. And he was taking his violin and to other patients to play their songs for them and to lift their spirits. That's what empowerment is. It's making that connection and it's building the relationships. And I think this isn't something that, oh, just do these three things and your people will feel empowered. It's a culture thing. It's, I think, a combination of a few things. You have to have a leader who recognizes the importance of engaging their employees Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and truly designing a culture where people feel that they belong, they feel valued, they have fun. Because we all know this, working in healthcare is probably more challenging now than it really ever was before. That doesn't mean you can't have fun or you can't make it a place where you can enjoy it. And you've done such a great job with that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the departments that actually do these fabulous farewells and awesome arrivals? Are, these are rehab? I'm this trying to is acute inpatient rehab. And so it's a short-term stay, Mm -hmm. usually one to two weeks. And I would say everyone's looking on retention, recruitment, nurses. So two of my units for this year, you know what their turnover rate has been? Zero. Whoa. And the other unit is 7.69 for the year. And I can't fault him because we're in this area where we have a lot of military folks And a couple of the wives wanted to move with their husbands. There's some turnover that is understandable there. So you can't just look at the numbers. Wouldn't you agree? I know you're a numbers girl, but you can't just look at the numbers when it comes to turnover or retention. Because this, Stacey, with the work that we do to address disruptive behaviors, sometimes turnover is good turnover. It is. It makes me think about Jim Collins, good to great. And I often think, do you have everybody in the right seat on the bus? And then sometimes you may have to get someone off the bus. And it's okay. It's not like 
decisions to terminate someone, they're always very difficult. Always very difficult. But when the time is correct for them to move on, they're usually happy, almost relieved. Any person that I've had to terminate has always given me a hug and we keep in contact still to this day because it just wasn't the right fit for them. And that's what it's really all about. And we had a, a guest, it was Randy Kern. It was the last episode that we aired. He talked about conflict and he said something similar where you give your people an opportunity to become the best versions of themselves. You set those clear expectations. And, and I'm talking more so behavior here, but it's same with performance. You coach them, you help develop them. But at some point, they need to own their piece of it. And if they're not capable or not willing to meet those expectations, then it's time for them to go. And he also said that you give them a chance and you work with them, but in the end, they end up recognizing, yes, it is time for me to go. And they're grateful almost mm -hmm. because you did show that you wanted to support them, that you were there to help develop them. It's almost like they terminate themselves. They always terminate or, themselves. Yes. And I love the fact that you said they, they end up hugging you and you stay in contact with them. Of course. Of course, if someone's not the right seat on your bus or they need to get off your bus, it doesn't mean that they're not worthy of being somewhere else. It right. just means that this was not the right place for them during that time. But I loved how you talked about setting expectations. Yes. I would say that is one of the biggest mistakes that managers make in today's world is somehow they think that everybody can read their mind. So you know exactly what I want. So I'm very clear with my nurses and ClinTechs, and that is I have two numbers that I like. I like zero and I like 100, nothing in between. So wow. zero is zero falls, zero hospital-acquired infections, and zero hospital-acquired pressure injuries. And 100. Is, yeah, and 100 are for likelihood to recommend. Are you going to go out wow. and tell your friends how wonderful your stay was here? at a Nova Mount Vernon hospital. That's a net promoter score, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, top where is what they call it. Same thing. Would people recommend you? You said something that you're so right. I think if you're listening to this and you're in a leadership role, it's don't make assumptions that your people know what your expectations are. Because as you said, Stacey, they're not mind readers. And it's being really clear to the point where we had uh, another guest on the show. And she said, if anyone in her department, and I'll just say misbehaves, they all know they're going to be meeting with Kristen. They all know this because they know about her expectations for behavior. Somebody on our team, Diane Salter, Diane, she actually said the same thing recently, where every day almost, she's reminding her team about her expectations for certain things so that it is crystal clear and people aren't left wondering. And sometimes I think I've heard this from employees that sometimes they walk on eggshells around their leaders or they're never quite sure what they're going to get mm -hmm. depending on the day. And that goes, that's the same for expectations that they have to because they change their mind all the time. And wait, I think today's we're recording this. I think it's Boss's Day. Isn't today Boss's Day? Yes, it is. I think it is. And here we are. I talk about accountability 
as well and making sure that it's equal for everyone, but also putting it all into the context of just culture. Three parts to just culture. Number one is a human error. Number two is an at-risk behavior. And number three is reckless. So you've heard all this before, right? So human error just means I made a mistake. I didn't, nobody comes to work. Nobody comes to work not wanting to do a good job, but it is possible to have a mistake. That's human error. And the hard one that people really struggle with is that at risk behavior. So the two examples I use is when you came to work today, how fast did you drive? Oh, I went 67. But what was the speed limit? Oh, 65. So you knew you were doing an at-risk behavior. In the hospital settings, we have all the scanning now of the name band with the medication. So if you opt to do a workaround, which anytime you hear the word workaround, just stop. That means something not good is happening. Great. This is an at-risk behavior. Exactly. And then finally, when I talk about reckless, I always think of like a serial killer type something that like this is something they're really or the angel of death. Remember those stories? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's on purpose. So with all those put together, then I always think about the second victim. So Dr. Albert Wu was the uh, gentleman that came up and coined the term internationally, actually, for second victim. Wow. And the best way to ex- describe that is if a nurse gives a medication and it's a wrong medication to the patient, the patient is the first victim. The nurse is the second victim. And when I used to speak on this, it, I'll never forget, I had a gentleman in the front row. He had been a nurse for 38 years and he had made a mistake and he never shared that with anyone until that point in time. And it, it just, it really makes you step back and say, healthcare, it's, we're dealing with drips and IVs and giving blood. There's a lot of potential for errors. And even though we certainly want to set our staff up for success, we're all still humans. We are. And we talk a lot about psychological safety and creating a safe place for people to admit that they've made a mistake without fear of punishment or retaliation. And that's not easy, especially when you have people who or as you said, at-risk behavior, they're not scanning, they're doing work around, they don't see that as potential harm until a mistake is made. And if we can catch them and have them stop doing those at-risk behaviors to prevent the mistake from happening to begin with, but still what happens when you do make a mistake? And there has to be a willingness of everyone to to admit that they've made the mistake. And then as an organization, as a leadership team, being able to sit down with that employee and you're right, they are the second victim and help them through that process so they don't end up like the gentleman in your front row who for 36 years or so made a mistake and didn't tell anyone. Could you imagine the burden, the heavy burden on all these years? I can't. I remember my medication error. I actually remember the date. And you don't forget those things. Oh, I remember mine. Uh Mm -hmm. And it didn't hurt the patient, but it was the wrong medicine. And just knowing that I made that mistake, it's it sticks with you. Oh, I cried. And I gave somebody a medication that was supposed to be IM. I gave it IV um, and called the pharmacy right away. And they said, 
check the vital signs. I'm like, already dead. Pace is probably fine, but I cried. And I was probably 10 years, 15 years into being a nurse. I wasn't brand new. It happens. It can happen. And I was in a hurry, didn't check, but it, people who I worked with made it okay. They supported me. So I was able to process it and let it go. As I made that mistake, I won't ever make it again. And you were in a good place for it. So that's good that you did have the support. Well, we've really talked about a lot of different things. So just to do a little bit of a recap, we've talked about your three E's and I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. It's evaluate, it's educate, and it's empower. Correct. And I think when we look at what creates a healthy work culture, absolutely those are a part of it. We also talked about how not to be, and I think this is part of it though, how not to be a seagull or a fly or mm-hmm. flea, right? <laughs> because in doing so, it creates a culture where I think people can be reactive and not good at pro- you know, solving problems and people don't feel empowered. We also talked about how to just interject some fun into your department. And I think that also goes with that empowerment. How do you empower your team? to inject some fun and humor into their workspace because to your point, Stacey, we spend more time at work, I think, than we do with our at home with our family and friends. We do. And is there anything else, any other actions? We have leaders listening right now who are on their journey to cultivate and sustain a healthy work culture, free from bullying and incivility. Do you have any other recommendations for a leader who's trying to do that right now? I would say always look deeper, look deeper. There was a uh, nurse that was always late for work. You may have heard this. Always late, always late. And late again, and they were going to write her up, and that was going to be her final written warning. But the leader took time to visit with the nurse. What he learned was she came in the back door, and on the loading dock, one of the delivery men was having a heart attack. Oh, my. And she saved his life. Wow. So I say, always look deeper build the relationships because that's truly kind of what our entire world is based on, right? Friendships and relationships. Yeah, you're right. Very similar to when we say everybody has a story. And and I've said this before too, we're all born with goodness in us, but sometimes life gets in the way and we don't know what somebody's life is like. However, Stacy, you and I both know there is a point where you say, okay, you have a story, but when you cross the threshold of this workspace, it's got to be game on. And if you're not able to do that, then this is not a good fit for you anymore. So there was a, a tolerance for that, but I love that. Go deeper, find out, is there something else happening in this person's life that is creating what we all see when they come into work? And I think that's a valuable a perspective that I think if leaders would recognize that before they react, this is going back to don't be so reactive, don't be a seagull, just find out first, ask the question. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So I usually like to ask our guests if they're either reading something really great right now, or if there's a book that they would recommend that every leader should read. Do you have one of those books? I Probably do. A lot. I have a lot, but I will tell you my favorite. I've actually seen him speak twice. Um, it's by John Maxwell and the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I think it's just one of the most powerful books. And it's what I would call a bathroom read. So it's not hard, right? 
kind of short and sweet, but examples are just so powerful. I read this book years ago mm-hmm. and you're right. It was not complicated because some books you read and you're like, I can only read like one chapter at a time because it's so complicated. It makes me think too hard. And I liked some of those books. However, this was very powerful, but simple language that I think it's a great book and I've read it and I may have to reread it because when I ask these questions, what book are you reading? I'm like, ooh, I read that. I want to read it again. Or I haven't read that one. So my list is getting very long. Thank you so much, Stacey, for being a guest on our show and for just all the great work that you're doing to cultivate and sustain a healthy work culture. We so value you and the program that you're um, in with us and keep sending those videos because they bring a little bit of joy to my day. It's the best part of my day. It's the best part of my day. It is to see those patients dancing and to see, and some of them in wheelchairs dancing, okay, some of them are just not capable, but then to see your team standing next to them, celebrating with them, it just reminds us all that there is still some goodness out there in healthcare and we just need to embrace it and expand it. So thank you for that. And also thank you for listening and for doing your part to stop the cycle of bullying in healthcare. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, we'd encourage you to follow us, subscribe, and to leave a review because that helps other people get to know that this podcast exists. And so as we wrap up, I just want you to remember that the way we treat each other is just as important as the good care that we all provide. Thanks everyone and take care. Thank you for listening to Coffee Break, breaking the cycle of bullying in healthcare one cup at a time. If you found these practical strategies helpful, we invite you to click the subscribe button and tune in every other week. For more information about our show and how we work with healthcare organizations to cultivate and sustain a healthy work culture free from bullying and incivility, visit HealthyWorkforceInstitute.com. Until our next cup of coffee, be kind, take care, and stay connected.